iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Good afternoon. We're about to get started. Uh, welcome to the Apple Store Soho. We're very pleased that you could join us for today's special Meet the Comedian event. Um, we're very pleased to have Eddie Izzard here uh, discussing the new documentary, Believe, uh, in addition to his stand-up special Live from Wembley and the upcoming U.S. stadium comedy tour, Strip 2. Um, joining him, moderating today's event, is fellow comedian and friend, Paul Provenza. Please welcome them both, Eddie Izzard and Paul Provenza. I'm uh, here standing in for um, Steve Jobs, introducing the new Apple product. We have actually together invented one. It's called the iEddy. It's called the iChair, and these are what we're working on. These, you can plug them in to your backside, and, uh, and you can't get off them. Um, <laughs> I just made that change. I made the change by pressing buttons. You're a techno whiz. Well, no, that's te techno fear. You know, te does anyone... Seeing as you're in an Apple store, does anyone here have Techno Joy or Techno Fear? Who's, who's Techno Joy? Techno Joy people. Okay, Techno Fear people. Hands up. Everyone else, what? Don't Can know you... what I'm talking about? The, the Techno Fear people obviously go, oh, God, if I touch it, then it'll blow up. And it Which... tends to be a girl thing, but not always. And the, the boy thing What are you saying? It happens to, be... to me all the time. Well, well, the Techno Joy thing is when we, we, I do, like that, I go, oh, what, what happens if I, and if I press that? And, and usually you actually get to the end. You don't need instructions. That's why they don't have instructions. So you do that and you go, oh, look, it can do this as well. Well, that it's, is true with the Apple. Yeah. Not on Windows. But I did blow something up just recently by thinking, oh, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And boom, I blew the whole phone up. So I did actually touch everything. You want to hear the greatest irony of all? Last night on my way here, on my way to the airport, my, my MacBook Pro just, just went. Just went. So I came in here and the first thing I did was say, somebody help me. And uh, they can't, so they're going to make another like three, four grand. Really? What? They're crafty, these people. So, so what was wrong? Did it have... Nobody knows for sure. Did you check the thing at the back? I checked the thing. I and shoved the pushed. thing. I, I touched. I pushed. It came up and said, uh, "Stop it." Have you tried the hammer? <laughs> the last resort. I, I, you know, I just hosed it down because I figured it was dirty. <laughs> so I, I put it in some uh, fairy liquid. Fairy liquid, fairy which you liquid. don't have here, do you? We don't have fairy liquid here. Because that, be, um, that would be a negative thing used against gay people for washing up and stuff, wouldn't it? Which was ironic, because really, cleanliness is next to godliness, and that would screw up the entire gay rights thing. Yeah, well, we were going to talk about God, weren't we? Because apparently it's important in this country. Can you all hear us? Because we can't hear us. Can you hear us? Yeah. It's all clear, right. But uh, we are competing with the back of the thing, so the people at the back are just going just gonna to stare at us. Even if we're really funny, you're going to... Yeah, but I can tell because it's only the front people are reacting. Everyone, as it goes further back, the people at the back are going, I don't know, I'm going to get one of these soon. And they're, they're actually going, do you have better earphones for my iPod? Because I still hear this crap coming in. Uh, let's talk about your feet. Yes. So thank you very much for doing this. It's, um, uh, it's, it's a pleasure, as always, to hang out with you. We, we, uh, Paul Provenza has, we've known each other for 43 years. Uh, no, well, how long is it? About five years? Since the war. Since the war. Since the war, you can say that. Mm. You can always say that within about four or five years. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. It'll always be right. Yeah. If a Republican government gets back in, there'll be another one against the blue people. Um, but you've got a show that's coming out on Showtime. I, I should, do. Thank you say. for mentioning that. It's called uh, Paul Prevenza's Green Room or Behind the Green Room Door. We're not sure which one we're going to go with yet. 
And it's and it's and it's filmed and, and in you, a very advanced way. It, yes, it's six episodes right now. Eddie's on one of them. Uh, Jonathan Winters, Robert Klein, Andy Dick, Roseanne Barr, and Drew it's on Carey. Showtime. So you get Showtime. You get yes, show. get Showtime on your Apple. Yeah, we well, should be able to watch it that in the future. Should, I, 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 actually, I think in the future, I think in two or three years, you don't even have to have anything. It just comes right into your skull, oh, just well, into that, the head. I'd like the one in here. You know, the, the I like glasses that one, yeah. where you check, and then one you can see a film here, and then you can still say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do that in a minute, Steve." And then it's very Terminator. Fuck you, asshole! Was one of the things that came up in his eye. I do remember that when he says, hey man, will you kill a cat in there? And he goes, <laughs> it has the options come up. Which as stand-up comedians, I actually identify. Does anyone remember that bit in The Terminator? The first one when he gets all these options and one of them is, fuck you, asshole. Fuck you, asshole. And he does that. I am governor. Yeah, and, uh, and I thought as, as stand-up comedians, in the blinking of an eye, when someone heckles something, we have to choose a, re- a witty response to that heckle. And it's very much like the Terminator. Maybe slightly faster than It is. Him. Just zip through the RAM yeah. to come up with the right heckle line. Yeah. And by the way, there's a trick. I don't know if you did this. You, probably other people worked this out. But the, the trick with hecklers, I felt, was to say the first thing that comes into your mind. Because no heckler is ever expecting you to come right back with it. Because they, they sit there going, hey, you, hey, you're boring. No, I'm not. I'm the king of Japan. And they go... <laughs> Yeah, you can't be. Oh, you know, and <laughs> so that's the trick. And I learned that because I remember walking down the street in Eastbourne, which is a, uh, a seaside town where I went to school in the south of England. And I was walking past a cinema, and they have those alcoves where the doors open when exiting the cinema. It's sort of recessed doors. And there was a guy just sitting there smoking, a, or standing there smoking a cigarette. And uh, as I walked by, he just said, wanker to me, which is a negative, you know, means shithead, you know. And, and, and so I, I, I walked on, I thought, say something, I'm not a wanker, fuck off. And, and I thought, say something, say something, about a mile away, I thought, no, I'm not. That was all I could think of. <laughs> and I was, I was in a different... Uh, and from those humble beginnings. <laughs> yes. Well, it was, I really thought, I've got to get way better at this. And I had my passing out ceremony was uh, in... In street performing, because street performing gets it, you're used to doing stuff wherever you are, like um, in the street, um, yeah, obviously. But, you know, because it's not normal for performers to put, we normally need to come down. I mean, this is weird, because back there there's real things going on, and here we're kind of chatting, performing. So this is odd, but we've, we've created a kind of atmosphere here, the lights have come down. In the street, there's no lights, there's no nothing, everyone's moving around. And, uh, You're actually intrusive in the streets. People want to get where they're going. They yeah. They want to be bothered with you. But shit. sometimes, like Covent Garden in London, it is an amb- ambling type uh, human speed. I've studied, it's like the, the human traffic moves at, at a, an ambling pace. It's a bit, Washington Square Park has the same thing. You're not rushing. Some people are rushing across, they're not going to stop. But well, you've got to get crack. You've got to get crack. You've got to get crack. <laughs> But um, I saw these two guys just outside, just in London, bottom of St. Martin's Lane. They stopped in the car. I was with a friend who was also very fast at this instant response stuff, both street performers. And uh, the guy stopped, and he, the window's open. He leant over and he just said, My mate's just farted! <laughs> Which should have embarrassed English people. You know, we wouldn't have known that. And we just both went, That's fantastic! My God, we were just here. The timing is brilliant. We collect. <laughs> have you got anything? Put it in a bag. Just collect. Can you do it? What? Oh, what genius! Right now, you both of you. Ah, oh, that's excellent. Fucking, can we ha- can we keep a bit? Can you just record it. Make what? Cherry? Is it cherry flavor? 
And we said all this shit to him really quickly. And then they drove off. The guy, I could, his head was lolling in the back, like one of those nodding dogs. He wasn't expecting a barrage of instant stuff right in the vein of the rubbish that he said. <laughs> you know what? And that's the, that's the you, trick. You know, what, you know what's great fun? My friends and I want to be assholes like we were in, in school, you know? But we don't want to be assholes. So we're going to act like assholes. So what we'll do is just do random drive-by shouting of compliments. Right. And just go, you're really handsome! <laughs> and people really, their heads kind of explode a little. It's that, great. Just do that all day long. And that's what you did when you were a kid or what now? No, I did that about six weeks ago. Oh, really? It's great fun. And it was good in dangerous areas or yeah, oh, South Central? Or yeah. just P Pulling up in the car next to a bus stop and going, that's a really nice shirt! <laughs> great. Hey, man, I appreciate you. <laughs> I bet you know how to buy luggage very well. That does, interestingly, when wearing makeup and being insulted, I found that the best thing was to shout insults back initially. And then I, found, I was standing with some guys who were insulting me, and I'm saying, oh, fuck you, oh, fuck you, puff you, you fucking die in a spike. And, and, and I thought, this is not actually getting anywhere, it's just trading very violent insults. And I found the best one was to do what you just did, that same thing. They were going, oh, fuck you, you know, you puff and I'm going, and a wonderful Christmas to you too, Mr. Stevens. What wonderful ideas. I remember your brother, he was a fantastic man. And just say positive things back to someone giving you all this bile, and you actually feel cleaner. It, yes, you feel great. Yes, and it really grinds it all to a halt. You're, you end up walking away free. I want to talk about your feet. My feet, yes. Yes. Um, I've just tweeted. I don't know if anyone's on Twitter, but um, I just uh, tweeted that I went for a run with uh, no feet, with no shoes on. Um, In New York City, he ran 11 miles with no shoes. That's a lot of bum piss for one man to endure. What do you mean bum piss? What's bum piss? Isn't that willy piss and bum uh, poo? Oh, no, no. Bum piss? Bum oh, piss these... from bums. All right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Bum means something different I in your thought, land. You, Americans, you fuse your front and back bottoms. And... <laughs> bum piss, man. That's, that's I love it. Can I get really vile? Can I get really vile for a second here? There's a comedian named Kerry uh, um, uh, uh, Marks in the UK. He was talking about because a bottom is is uh, a bottom, a bum is a bottom, and uh, he said he was talking to his girlfriend, and uh, he said, uh, you know, he was trying to get a little anal sex off of her, and uh, um, uh, no, no, he was trying to have sex with her, and she goes, uh, I have a problem in my uh, front bottom, and uh, and he said, oh well, so um, how's your back, cunt? Uh, <laughs> So the English have a way with words. Wait, do you have front bottom and back bottom? Or no, not? we don't have that. We oh, also no. fanny a fanny pack yeah, is not a, what it is to you in the guys. Wrong place. Yeah. How that happened? How the pilgrims got on that button and said, "Right, the fanny that's shoving. <laughs> we're going to shove that around the back because that's rude." That's, I mean, to, that's the freedom the pilgrims were looking for. Yeah, it was just to move the anatomy around. There's the so much thing, and the woo noise, the woo, which is you know an exuberant noise from American people, is not used in Europe because we had a, a war and hell and death and stuff. We no. One goes woo. You can't get. I think you're making a bit woo. of a logical leap there, but I'll go with it. No, but it's just certain things that the pilgrims picked up. They were on the boat. They said, "Right, the fanny. We're shoving it around the back. Uh, we're not going to talk like this anymore. We're just going to draw it out a little bit and just say it like that. And we're going to. What was the other thing I said? Oh yeah, woo. Let's just. And so we've left Britain, and that's that's good. That's a positive thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Woo would be better. That's Probably they landed and they, they were going, ooh. And people said, if you put a W in front of that, it can really kick. Woo. 
Woo! You know, we're looking for a national slogan. Let's go with woo! <laughs> it would work, but it just, it, it's... Because I know this because I was watching Disney open Disneyland Paris in, in, uh, in Spain. And, uh, no, in Paris. They're also crafty. They, they just didn't know. And, uh, and Tina Turner did the opening concert there. There's a lot of celebrations and stuff. And people down the front were going, woo. And I just thought, those are not French people. They're not <laughs> British people. They're busting from America because we don't know about woo. Yeah, no, the French go more like, eww, eww. But I would say, because you may not, you know, I do uh, stand up comedy in French. Je peux faire mon stand up comedy tout en français. It's fantastique, it's le, le futur. Monsieur. But you might think, what is a French sense of humor? And, you, and people say, oh, it's a visual. There isn't any sense of humor. Like, there's no American sense of humor. There's alternative, there's mainstream, there's, there's political, there's crude, there's this, there's that. It's that. more like music, really. If you think about yeah, like exactly. music, it's just exactly. everything. There's a whole anything. fucking stack load, you know, of, of, of styles. Uh, I was watching this film again. I saw it was, on, it was on release here. OSS 117, which is... You've seen that? OSS 117. It is a fantastic film, isn't it? It's really sexy. The guy who plays it is a really sexy French guy. I don't fancy guys, but he just look, he's a good-looking guy. But he's an idiot. He's the biggest idiot in the world. He's taken the piss out of himself. The writing... It's very clever, isn't it? It's a, it's a beautiful film. I saw it again last night. Can you download it on iTunes? I'm... I'm no, I, not, not on iTunes. iTunes. Only on toilet paper. <laughs> oh, BitTorrent, yeah. Um, I can't download my own stuff on that, because I think I'm, I'll be screwing myself. I got it. But no, but it is great. And if you watch OS, you'll see it's OSS 117. You think, what is that? It's like uh, 007. You know, it's, it's, it's his agent number. And it's really stupid, and it's set in the 50s in Cairo, and everyone's funny and sexy and stupid. And it's really self-depreciating French humor. And it's great, because that means that that edge that I thought America has, we have, the Canadians have, it means everyone has it. If the French have got it, then the Germans have got it, then, the, then everyone's got it. It's just a certain logic. I can, I can extrapolate, because uh, I run bare feet. I don't, think the Germans, I don't think the Germans have it. The Germans have done... There's a guy called Mario Barth, and if I can, I can pull it up on a computer. Can you, can you look up YouTube, Mario Barth? I'll show you the biggest stand-up gig in the world. This kid... Now, his stuff is quite mainstream, apparently. But Mario Barth at Olympia Stadion. You need to put Olympic Stadium, Mario, B-A-R-T-H. And you can get up. I didn't realize I could do this. <laughs> and soft porn after that. We'll look up. <laughs> but you can see this kid playing the world record. And the Guinness Book of Records doesn't check this out. You just don't need to. You can just look at it. What, the he biggest audience uh, ever for a stand-up? Ever what? for a stand-up. 70,000 people. You'll see it. If, if we can, if we, cause, uh, well, that's not the record because I played 92,000 once. No, you didn't. You're lying. Yes, I did. No, I did, actually. No, you didn't. Yes, not I on did. your own. You, you might have stood there. No. Yeah. It's this one here. Right, here, let me, let me just click on that. There we go. Now, watch this. Uh... Wait a minute, let me go full screen. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's not them. <laughs> Hang on. Superman by Mario Barthes. What does anyone speak that? What, what's the band? Oh, it's a band, Mario Barth. Mario Barth. Uh, yeah, okay, the Mario. It's this one, okay, Mario Barth Tell 2, which must be uh, second section. Hit that one. Okay, it'll cut back in a second. Now, here you got the biggest. So this. 
Okay. Okay, you won't understand it, you know, because it's German. But... He's getting laughs. And look, that is the fucking Olympic Stadium where Hitler did the Nazi Olympics. Look, look how big it is. That's 70,000. That's 70, I just, I, I didn't know it was going to be possible. But that, that kid has got the biggest one. The second biggest one, thank you, you, could, you can cut that there. The, so that's the biggest stand-up. Not that big is important, because obviously, if ego-wise it yeah, is. Yeah, but, but we don't know, the, uh, we don't know the, uh, uh, the substance of what he's saying, so we can't really tell. I, th I, th I think it's kind of mainstream. I think it's kind of women, you kind of do this, and men, you do that. I think it's a bit like that, mm. from my German friends have told me. But there's Jean-Marie Bigard, who's played 52,000 at the Stade de France in Paris. So I, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't making that up. I did play 92,000 people. I know, but you, you, you didn't, it wasn't your gig, was it? It was me and Jeff Foxworthy. So is Jeff Foxworthy paying that? No, uh, no, no. This was. This what, was no, what, sir, I'm going to tell you. If you shut up for a second, I'll tell you. University of Florida, the Gator Growl. Anybody familiar with this? Anybody here from Florida? You, so you know, right? Every year for their homecoming, they do a stand-up comedy show in the stadium, and it's you, I, you never get a chance to do that again. Right. You know, it's like real rock star time, and it's the trippiest thing because. You're on stage, there's diamond vision screens, the whole deal, and you've got to wait for the laughs to go. You gotta wait. The sound doesn't... It's unbelievable. And you, you've got to time it for the... Uh, it is. It's really it's, it's an ocean liner of a gig. But here's the, co the coolest part of it. Weird cool. I get off stage. I went up, up first, and I come off stage, and Jeff is throwing up by the stairs going, oh, what, am I, what am I doing? Blah. Nervous as hell. He goes up, he comes off. We're just like on cloud nine. It was the most amazing. Because it really is a comedy crowd. And... Um, uh, and uh, he's like, oh, it was incredible, and timing the laugh, and oh, my God, just that many people, just amazing and everything. And we're sitting there, and I just go, did you hear the guy? And he goes, on the 50-yard line on the left-hand side? I go, yeah. One guy out of 90,000 people goes, you suck! And that's all either one of us could hear. <laughs> that's all we remembered. It's a little trippy. But he said, uh, did he say it to Jeff Foxworthy as well? He said it to everybody, yeah. He was just a guy who likes to say you suck. <laughs> So you have done now? Was that a Jeff Foxworthy gig, or that's a gig that no, no, they, just, a, they was, just turn up? It's the Gator Growl Homecoming right. comedy it event. It still doesn't beat and him, I don't think, because really? yeah, because he said I'm going to play here. You can't come cut along. me any slack, can you? You Sorry? can't give me anything. No, but this. I just think it's I think it's cool that a German kid's got the first record and a French kid's got or French guy's got the second record. What's his material like, though? What if it's all about killing Jews? Well, of course it won't be. Otherwise, there wouldn't, you know, there would have been frowns. There would have been some messages on there. <laughs> what my friends would have mentioned this. No, he's, he, I, I told you what it is. I know, eventually I'll know enough German to but be able to watch playing, all this But stuff. you're doing stadiums now, aren't you? No, I'm doing arenas. 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 And that's how stadiums, many people? 20, 25,000? No, it's up to about 15,000. 15,000? I'm playing Madison Square Garden. I'm playing Madison Square Garden here and, uh, and in Dallas and San Francisco and Chicago and playing all those uh, arenas and all those places. How do, you, how do you adapt to that? Do you find that you have to just It's exactly you, you just slow down a bit. You slow, you slow, it's like um, you slow down so you say, and I went into a pub. Uh, the pub. And then <laughs> I saw a monkey there. A monkey in the pub. And, and you just get in there. And gradually you can, you can, you can build the momentum, but you initially you just have to get the sense of it. But you know, like, thing, when, you, when you're initially playing, you're playing 100 seaters. Then when you do your first 1,000 seaters, you go, 1,000 seats? Oh my God. And you have to adjust somewhat but then when you do a whole bunch of a thousand seaters you go oh, a thousand seaters and it's, it's that kind of thing yeah well there is a, there is a certain there are thresholds like the difference between one and five thousand is not that great but from five to like ten thousand is absurd the difference you know 
Um, I, yeah, like I, after I, a certain I, no. point, after a certain size, it just kind of becomes a din until you hit another level, and then it becomes a whole other technique. I've never actually worked out if that. I mean, I just know that if I jumped too much and, and my material wasn't strong that in that period, it, that was when it got scary. If you suddenly are doing new material in front of two thousand people, good place to try it out. Sorry, good yeah. place to try it out. I know. Well, you know, I, I, my method, I keep moving bits in at all different times, so it could just be. Yeah, I, I have a question for you. You've become. Uh, more politicized recently than you had been and has your material changed that way? No, I, I don't do any political material. I do historical political, social political, sexual politics, but I don't want to do party political because it will date within a week and then you have to come up with new stuff. And then when you record it, it's useless. You get this really good bit about um, you know, Hillary Clinton running against uh, Barack Obama and then it's old history and but you personally are getting very involved in british politics are you not yeah i have been for a number of years actually i just um i i just talk about it separately so i'm saying i'm going to run for um i'm most probably going to run for political office in in nine to 14 years it was 10 to 15 but that was last year so it's nine (laughs) to 14 years and next year be eight to 13 what office do you think you'll be running mp well i want to say office it means uh, it's yeah it's mp or mep member of european parliament or wow. there's the, the mayor of London is another. Is, we only have one mayor that you can get elected ship that you can get elected to, which is the mayor of London. Uh, um, so what's your, what's your uh, campaign slogan going to be? No monkeys uh, in pubs. What, sorry? What's going to be? No monkeys in pubs. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I, I think it's a bit early, a bit premature to go up with the slogan right now. Well, like I, in the hole know, for, hey, Obama started running when he was like 15. Yeah. Oh no! Well, I'm I'm sort of running. Just have he, did he have his slogan then? Did he I say? Think he did. Yes, I we think can. He did. <laughs> I'm going. I mind we. Of course we can. <laughs> Just following on, you know. Yes, we can too. What about that? <laughs> <laughs> I think we can. We we news the. I can't even think of the French for that. Anyway, so uh, yes. So to answer, so I did. I go. I went running in bare feet. To, because I didn't even cover that, did I? <laughs> No, no I'm just saying, oh, if, if you try running, apparently there's a, there's a book called Born to Run that people might have heard about it, and, and if you run in your bare feet, it can, it could, you know, it's the way, I, naturally, we have been developing for about three million years as hunter-gatherers, and we didn't have those shoes, those guys weren't going, I'm going out to get a buffalo, I'll just strap moss around, you know, they, they just fucking ran off and did it. And so that's what I tried today, 11 and a half mile run, I got a blister, I got a tiny splinter, uh, it, the blister and the splinter, I didn't know until I finished, so it didn't hurt, which is interesting. When I ran my 43 marathons, I ripped my, my toes to shreds with blisters, so, um... Uh, I, I, you know, this is the first day, so my feet have got to acclimatize. But I was running through bum piss. Bum piss. The piss of bums. No, it wasn't. It's not, it's not actually there. You, people say glass, and I thought glass. And, I, and as you run, there wasn't much glass. The, the, there were some surfaces which have little bibbly-bobbly little rocks sticking out of, which it's like a, a pebble-dash kind of effect, and that's not good to, to, to run on. And, and if they've just been um, paving over a new area, they have little bits of grit sticking out and it's just one bit of grit if you stand on a thing and it's all smooth and then there's one bit of grit that's annoying but eventually that should calm down as well so so you will be um, fit for this when you have essentially leather soles on your feet basically right well maybe th- I don't know if it's gonna you know if it ends up that my feet are like disgustingly hard then I'll just say okay I'll back off of that and go back to the shoes but I may as well try it as people are swearing by it you know and the, and the tribes people you know the Kenyan runners they beat everyone by by going barefoot. So I, I, I want to try it out because I did find when I was doing the marathons that, that it, it, it linked in with I did feel like I 
owned the road, I owned the, the countryside in an odd way. A bit like a stand-up, you own the stage if you play a stage regularly, the same stage when I was at Union Square, you know, that became like my lounge. And if you run on the streets and, and through the countryside, you feel this, this thing which Native Americans must have had, because they didn't you feel have somehow naturally papers. connected, you feel yeah, like this I is your environment. Yeah, it yeah. really did, and it's... But I don't know if people are familiar with your marathon runs. Does anyone know the marathon runs? You, you ran... Twelve people do. Well, to the other 73 who actually do know but can't be bothered to do it, make that noise. I, I ran 43 marathons in 51 days. 43 marathons in 51 days. But a guy called D Dean Carnassus has already run 50 marathons in 50 days. So it's not impressive. It's just, it's just a standard 43. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it's it's interesting. It really does, you know. Um, it changes your viewpoint on food. <laughs> Running, yeah, uh, yeah, it is weird. It's great. I do feel like I reconnected with the kid that used to play. I suppose as when we were kids, you know, some kids didn't want to play any running about sport type things, but a lot of us did, and then stopped doing it. And I did suddenly reconnect with that kid. And you did it for charity? I did it for charity. What yeah. charity? Uh, the, it was one I've set up for myself, actually, to make money. No, it's, a, it's to help me get more shoes. Yeah, to help you buy shoes. <laughs> um, it's uh, called Sport Relief, and it's linked to Comic Relief, and the UK Comic Relief is different to the American Comic Relief, but uh, probably the principles are very similar, raising money for some of the poorest countries in the world. And half the money, and, and they rotate, so they, they, well, they have a big television thing. It's not that you used to do one gig here. I don't think Comic Relief's happened well, they, for they also did. they also did sort of satellite shows, not on television, just kind of right, raising money on, on but going But they were tended to be linked to live gigs uh, on, that were shown? Sort of, you know, because people the, the one in London is, is done with um, a big studio thing where they uh -huh. will do sketches and they film things and then they go to Africa and people know from television world will be out in Africa talking to the people and right there where the projects are happening and um, so that happens when you comic relief they do a whole load of comedy sketches get you know stunt casting you have Elton John in a sketch with a you know well known Little Britain was well known there mm -hmm. here on HBO and, they, and they'd have some sort of cast thing like that and then the next year they do sport relief which is they started encouraging people who are not sports people to do big uh, adventurous things and David Williams who's in Little Britain he swam across the channel so that was a very big deal because no one was expecting him you, you, funny guy and then suddenly he swims across 26 miles of water um, and so I've just gone and run 43 marathons so. do you know how much money you raised raised over 75 pence um, <laughs> More, I'm not sure. But in, Ameri in American dollars, that's a hundred thousand dollars. That joke gets a laugh every time. No, I do. I do it. <laughs> it's actually a three. It's a, th uh, it's a quarter of a million. No, yeah, two hundred fifty thousand sterling pounds sterling. That's that's rather uh, impressive. That's that. Yeah, that's decent. It's a decent whack. Yeah, um, and and they could get more because they'll show it on television. Right, and we could right. hopefully. But the actual so. marathons, you weren't really going for time. No, the marathons, the time is all over the place. It was between, my fastest one was the last one I ever did, which was five hours. But I have no recovery thing. And the recovery is incredibly important because now I've been recovering since the 43 marathons. And I've been sort of losing weight, not doing anything. It's weird because the body's going, okay, so we can get rid of some of this. Because, you know, the, the body was holding on saying, what? The body's planning what? ahead. Yeah, the body does hold on. And I, I had to stuff porridge in in the morning and potatoes in at night and pasta. And I really had to eat until I was feeling sick. Um, and it was, it, was, it was quite odd. Wait until your body starts dealing with the fact that you're doing it with no shoes on. I know. But my, body, my feet felt really hot at the end of the run today. They st I stopped and then they hot felt... Hot sexy or hot heat was? <laughs> 
Uh, not hot, sexy, like, hey, they're hot. Um, hey, just, what's that boil all about, sexy? It was just physically hot. Um, and I did get one blister, which is annoying. But then I had many blisters when I was running in shoes. Anything coming out of your eye? Sorry? Anything coming out no, of your eye? No, I've been told that somebody went and, was it they ran on went out and they walked on barefoot in, in somewhere in the street and worms crawled up into their eye from the feet from their feet yeah so we'll be checking back doing a couple of I weeks think it, was, it was yeah so um obviously that can happen but you could also get hit by a dump truck or something uh, are they called dump trucks or is that a poo truck they're dump trucks we have dump trucks a yeah. truck full of dump truck no not a poo truck no and so a, take a dump and we it's don't say truck. skip either that's a dumpster that's a dumpster yeah. that's a skip and trash, you don't have rubbish bins, do you? Uh, we do, but that's usually in a grandma's house. You do have grandma cinemas. Has rubbish. You do have cinemas because the documentary about my own sad existence is playing at the Village East Cinema. Yeah, it says it on the building, but nobody actually says, let's go to ah. the cinema. Ah, okay. It's, but, you know, but people in New York know what cinema is. Yes. But as we we're move not, across we're not America. Papua New Guinea. No. But would you say in Idaho that I could also say, is there a cinema around here? And they no, go, no. You'd say, is well, there movies around you, you're here? Communi- you're a communist boy. No, it and would then, say it on the on the actual building. It would it, say even in Idaho. Yes, I, like uh, um, uh, you know, brand names of Lowe's cinemas or oh, whatever. Right, right. You know, but nobody says let's go to the cinema because that's really um, kind of posh and annoying. You can say, let's go, let's go see a the movie. movies. Let's go see a, mo- a thing that moves. Okay. <laughs> the images, they move really fast. Saying cinema would be like saying, what do you say we go to the motion pictures? It just doesn't happen anymore. Right. Yeah. So let's, for, for us, when we say movie, because I now say movie, because I think of a film, I've decided, in my head for some reason, I've decided that film is one where people go, well, of course, I'll take, I'll go and ask Sir Cuthbert right now. You know, something slightly <laughs> slower and, and, and great acting, but about things that move quite the slow speed and a movie is kill that gorilla it's coming yeah, yeah, quick yeah. Dang, dang, get the tank guy. a film is generally people talking a movie something blowing up yeah and I do like the things that blow up so I do like <laughs> I do well, I like let's, let's, can, can we uh, run the trailer for Eddie's uh, oh, documentary so this is the documentary this is the, I'm in it I didn't make it but I'm, I'm, I'm in this it was uh, directed by Sarah Townsend Sarah Townsend and it's um, and it's had a really good review and in this LA is uh, basically it's just about you well it's about yeah. said, do you think American audiences will get us? Yeah, the intelligent ones will. If you're a performer, you want to play Wembley. It's the Madison Square Garden, it's the Hollywood Bowl. Good night, Wembley! You can say that in a very small place. You can say that when you're street performing. It was almost like some religious revivalist meeting. They took it to the government. Those folks totally gutted by that. The trouble is spending too much time in your mind. Oh, I don't want to learn. I want to go out and smash things with hammers. The 
I just thought she was ill. And you get ill, you get better. Eastern and Western medicine is interesting. Western medicine is very much a pill-driven thing. And you know, I've got a bit of a throat thing. Antibiotics for you, me, sir. My leg has been caught in a dangerous tractor accident. Antibiotics will make that leg come out. I remember loving my mother, but I can't remember anything much more. Mum died. Her clothes when? Median Ed Izzard was attacked late last night in Cambridge City. You kept me laughing and I was really afraid. Thank you so much. Fucking come see Eddie. Come see Eddie Lizard. I will end up questioning things all the time. You either question it all the time or you don't question it, you're going to end up living in a ditch because you thought you were on top of the world and actually your career was going down the toilet. watching that with the look on your face like I want to go see this movie well it, it is weird I mean because it has been uh, about six years in the making and uh, it, I think it really works I, you know Sarah is, it's, it's all kind of beginning it's I mean American dream kind of stuff because I was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and then it came out and now Madison Square Garden uh, <laughs> did you have any say in the editing or no. the content at all no I mean you I could have but truly completely surrendered it yeah do you feel like it's warts and all? Well, yeah. I mean, you can see like I'm, I'm, blisters I look, and all. Well, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I, I look. I'm wearing some bad clothes and got some bad haircuts and and uh, <laughs> and I'm looking heavy and overweight and. Uh, oh, I don't mean physically. Seen, I don't seen. physically. I mean emotionally. Did you when you first saw it? Did you feel like ooh, ooh, that's a little too close to the bone? I'm, no, because I, I wanted that, that. What we didn't want is is what I didn't want, and I know Sarah didn't want it. Uh, is a puff piece where Andy's got uh, it's got a wardrobe with uh, got. You know, uh, this dress, we've got a blue dress. And then these, uh, like, trousers and the haircut. You're obsessed and, with the know. wardrobe. I'm not talking about the wardrobe. No, but I'm, I'm talking about I, a puff piece. You know what a puff yeah, piece yeah, is, yeah, where yeah, they yeah, go, yeah. and he likes cats, and he does a lot of charity work, and, you know, and all that yeah. shit. Um, so we just wanted something that digs around and tries to explain here and 43. Because I'm kind of, I mean... I just wanted to do when we, all this stuff when I was younger, and it wasn't happening. And you do hear about people. I mean... Uh, there's an interesting thing in the old days. Elizabeth Taylor was a, was a child actor who got through Jodie Foster. It was rare, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Nowadays, most of the act, not most, but a big chunk, say fifty percent of actors, I think, coming through in LA have been doing it since they were three. 
well, that's you true. never thought about that. A lot of them are it's plugged true. straight it's in. Um, and a lot of people who broke through really big in comedy, like uh, uh, Eddie Murphy, right. Chris Rock, very, very young. Really? Yeah, very young. So there's this new thing of, of people, and they get all their training when no one's really watching, and they're struggling with everyone else. By the time they hit 18, you could, they could be up to speed. Like serious pros already. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, at seven, really wanted to go, but there was, I had no access to anything, wasn't getting into even school things, let alone national things. And um, so I, I had all this sort of, it's not going to happen, not going to happen, not going to happen. But because I always said I'd be, I would have been on the boat to come over to America because I identify and I said, I think like an American, that, that thing of let's go for it, let's push it, let's try it. And if you repress that for a long time, if it, when it comes out, then you, you start really running and then you just, I, I can't stop doing things now. Where was that drive coming from for you? Was it was it ego? Was it a sense of I, I want attention, or, or, or was there some well, it's real sort of artistry in it? And in the beginning, There's, I don't think artistry. I think it's definitely ego and a desperation to be loved. And if you ch- and if you watch the the um, the uh, documentary, um, you will you will see that kind of explained. It is that I do associate the death with my mother with a sudden affection drop off that's like a vacuum because she's there and one day I came home and she wasn't there. Interesting. And and I think the audience swaps over. So now you need millions to replace her well, life. Well, yeah, just needed anyone but it, it becomes a little drug-like and it's not, you know, you could, you could expect, love, expect loving parents to give uh, unconditional love like your, your painting. Yes, it's great. It's a wonderful no, painting. Not me. Well... But it, it might be, it may, you know, I thought that in my head, but of course, you know, parents can be wh- whatever parents are. But the audience will be, um, uh, will not be unconditional. The audience will say that's good work, that isn't good work. I mean, if you did really good work and then you started doing crap work, then the audience would stay with you for a while and then think, oh God, then they'd all start drifting away. So you've really got to put the work in. Right. Um, so that's where that comes from. But, you know, it, it does feel good for one's ego if people say that was a good piece of work. And initially I was trying to get somewhere really fast. And then I thought, no, just do really try and do work that's as good as possible. At some point, did you go through the period of, uh, okay, now I know that I can get this love from these strangers. I know that I can fill that void a little bit. I know that this feels good and I can do it. At some point, did you ever go through, well, what do I do now? Now that I have this ability, now that I have audiences listening to me, what now? And the, what, I don't think. The, I think the what, the what now is maybe just keep injecting the drug, you know, um, just keep building it up. And then there was the thing, because I was seven, I thought I can do this. I was ten, I, I can do this. I was thirteen, fifteen, you know. And then by the time of thirty, I was thirty when it started working. So that is, and now this could look like bullshit. I'm just saying this, but it really, I was doing really calculated things at eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, you know, to get into stuff. Like what so, kind of things? Um, well, I, I say one in the documentary. I mean, the, some of these are not huge. Some of them are quite weird. Uh, or later on, there's weird ones. But anyway, the the, uh, the early one was uh, they did Beauty and the Beast. And there's someone's Beauty, someone's the Beast, someone's the Father. That's it, casting-wise. And then there's the street urchins, rest of class, rabble, useless people. And uh, it, it's just a quite small thing, this, but it does show my thinking that the the, the, the Street urchins had a collective line, which is, oh, beauty, don't go, as she goes off to live with the beast, because for some reason I can't remember what it is. And, uh, and so they would get there, and we'd have this collective line, which if you're all seven-year-olds, you're going, oh, beauty, don't go. Uh, you know, that's, that's the speed it will come out. And I worked out that if you go, oh, beauty, don't go, like that, the other kids would never even got to the start of the line. And so it, would be, it became my solo line. <laughs> I was... I was doing that. I mean, that's a small thing, but that really does show how I was thinking at seven. 
Um, At seven, you were thinking about what makes you what, what makes get, one what gives me a, line. a star. Well, really. get, getting up, uh, is it, that's kind of upstaging. It's like upstaging, but it's you know, grabbing the stage at least. There was later there was a musical uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I am an action transvestite, so that's not the. It's, there's, although the, the girly bit of transvestites in there, it's the kind of s- sexy girly bit as opposed to the girly girly play with dolls. I was never playing with dolls. I was playing with action men. So um, I was in the school choir because my mother was a singer and I, I, you know, I just liked I didn't realize she, but she used to sing in choirs. And so I sang. And then someone said, oh, you're in the choir. That's sissy. That's girly. And so I thought, oh, I'm not in the choir then. So I moved across. There was standing on one side of the class, standing on the other. I moved across, never in the choir again. And then later on, the choir, the school choir, this is boarding schools, the school choir does Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, a very fun musical, Lloyd Webber, Tim Rice, a lot of really catchy tunes, um, wanted to do it. I, I got to be in this. So I just stood where the choir was. Whenever they went to things, I just stood there. And eventually they, they said, oh, could you pick that? Up? And I would pick, or they'd say, we need to get the water in. And I'd bring water. We need to move this. And I would move things. And eventually I was in it. I got into it. I was, and I got a solo line as well in the, uh, when the Pharaoh sings the bit, which is the Elvis bit. And there was a line in there that I got. So I, I would just force my way into things. I hitchhiked, later on I hitchhiked from Sheffield University down to uh, Birmingham, um, one day to try and get to talk to the head of a new comedy show that had become very hot and, 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 uh, and racy in, in Britain. I was trying to talk to his manager beforehand, his agent, so I could listen to his voice and then try and do an impersonation of his voice back to the guy whose name was Chris Tarrant because I was trying to put myself forward to be in uh, his show and be recommended by his agent. So I was going to try and impersonate his agent saying, I think you should have a look at this Basically, guy. Basically, you're and talking about fraud. Well, whatever. I was going to do whatever. Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers, who was a great mimic, had already done this. Me, not a good mimic, even though I love trying to do impressions. I didn't even get to talk to the guy. And I had to find one of the two phone boxes in Birmingham that had become international phone boxes. Because in the old days in Britain, they had a, a pip thing. Where you, every time you run out of money, you go, bip, 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 and you had to put money in. And if that happened, they'd know you're phoning from a call box. You're not, you're not someone in an office. So I was trying to phone up from an office, ostensibly. I'd hitchhike to Birmingham. Birmingham, I'd got off, I'd gone in and found one of the two phones, I sat in that phone, putting in 10Ps, trying to call this guy, Harold Stevens, whatever his name is, the agent, to get to talk to him, to listen to his voice, then in, practice an impersonation of him and do it back to this guy, Chris Tarrant, to recommend myself. It was that convoluted and that much of a long shot. That's how desperate I was. And, 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 and that sort of just consi- continued all the way through. And then eventually when it, I got to the point is when I got somewhere at 30, it's like, okay, now I've got, I've got some... It's like I see it as a citadel. If you're trying to break into something, if you break into this citadel, this walled city of, of profile, once you've got a bit of profile, they say, oh, well, come and do this. You could host a thing which is talking about, you know, I can do history programs now or science programs because I talk about that stuff. Come and do this, come and do that. And then you could, you, could, you could maneuver it. It's all that. And that's what agents and managers are supposed to do. But I'd had about 23 years of planning it by the time things took off. Uh, this brings up another question. We've never talked about this, but, but um, you know, one of the things that I always uh, find remarkable is that you first broke through, at least here in this country, you broke through kind of in an underground way, kind of in an alternative way, um, largely due to being recognized because of your transvestitism on stage. That made you right. kind of hip and kind of cool, and it drew a, a kind of smart, interesting crowd who wanted to see something idiosyncratic but your material has always been completely universally acceptable it's, it doesn't, right. doesn't segment an audience in any way shape or form 
Was that a, a calculated move on your part to get attention? No, or? no, no. What the transvestism? Doing it on stage because you don't no. work that way all the time. No. Well, at the moment I'm in boy mode, so it's a superhero thing. So I go on and off, and and people on Twitter fight me and say you're not allowed to be tactical and and uh, strategic about it. But I am because and fuck them. Um, so because it's too hard otherwise. But. Um, what it was, was I knew I was a transvestite when I was four. Um, wasn't going to tell anyone about it. I told an ex-girlfriend. Her brother was gay. I thought she'd be cool about it when I was 21. Uh, she was cool. Uh, on that day, I stood at the window of her flat, and I looked out over Sheffield, and I said, I'm going to tell everyone. It was such a release. I said, I'm going to tell everyone in a big, stupid line that I said. And, I, of course, I wasn't going to tell everyone. I wasn't going to tell anyone. But having said the line out of my mouth, that line sort of just sat there walking around my head for two years until I thought, no, I do. I, I actually have to tell everyone. That's the thing. I'd never considered. I just, you know, it was a shameful secret. And then I had to, I did six months of, of self-therapy where I just lied down in a... In a and shopping. No, it's not, it's not a big shopping. Action transvestite is more punching, fighting. It's <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss in The Matrix. It's that kind of thing. It's, it's girly makeup thing and then have a fight. <laughs> um, it, it's not I mean I do like sh the shoes are great um, and you know I do more shopping in girly mode boy mode I go oh shopping but uh, you know I'm not a mad shopper I'm more for gadgets but anyway so I, I, I did all that and, and I just I, once my thing started come, taking off in, when I was about 29 to 30 when it, uh, I thought I have to tell it was 1991 so I was 30 that year and I thought I have to tell the press otherwise it'll be a secret and I'll never tell the press so I started I, te I did a test gig I put on a dress and I went to the gig and I thought, right, if I can get laughs in this, then I can do it. So it was, it was just taking off and I could have just shot the, the um, career in the head. So it wasn't planned that way. And when I came here, I'd say that my material was very Python-esque and not essentially, it can be accepted by mainstream. I'd made it universal. So I'd taken out re references to the 159 in Streatham. People said, what's that? And I talked about South London buses. All oh, right, that makes sense. I'd done that, but it still wasn't going to plug straight into, you know, middle America. But it was going to get anyone who was watching Saturday Night Live, anyone like Richard Pryor, Steve Martin, that kind of humor. And the, 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 the me wearing makeup was just, that's what I was doing at that time to say, and this comes with it. And then people said, oh, well, that gives you a visual difference. But it wasn't designed that way. And initially people said, oh, you look a mess as well. You look like... <laughs> You look like a you know football player, you know soccer player who's wearing makeup, which I was, and uh, I had to work on that. So, well, you did a great job, by the way. Well, I, it got better. <laughs> I got better in in that area, but it wasn't designed that way. And in the end, I realized I had to get it good and try and land it in, in a certain way. I just, so. I, I just have to tell you, funny. It was so funny when uh, remember the night um, that we went to see the Eric Idle show at Carnegie uh, Hall. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, so I'm waiting for Eddie and. Um, you know, at that time, you were pretty, I'd say 50-50 in drag, not in drag at any given moment. Right. And um, so and I didn't know how he was going to turn up. And he turns up uh, uh, in I call, drag. I call it wearing a dress, but not... Wearing a dress, okay. It's not drag. Because drag means costume. Because I've seen people oh, say, okay. too, oh, they were wearing these uniforms. They were wearing the drag. Or the, and they talk about uniforms. And I realized that the word drag seems to be used as costume. Okay. This is like, if a woman wears a dress, it's not drag. It's just the dress they're wearing. I have dresses. I have trousers. So that's... Okay. Understood. Uh, bringing up my point, which is that there's a little bit, you know, you want to respect somebody. You also want, you know, it's like you don't know exactly how people identify or what. It's hard on the receiving end yeah. to interpret it in, you know, in the way that that you want to be, you know, you don't want to be an idiot about it. You don't want to say something insensitive or whatever. It's har it's hard to manage when it's not common in, in society, you right? Know? So he shows up in a dress, 
but for the first time uh, with breasts as well. Yeah. And I said, I just flat out said, Eddie, look, I don't know the protocol here, so I'm just going to say it. Nice tits. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> and that's an interesting thing, because receiving that kind of, kind of openness actually puts you know, people who want to be considerate and, want, and, and are accepting in a weird position. We don't exactly know well, how, how, how to process you felt it. Or how I felt. How I felt. All right, right. You know, we don't exactly know how to process no, I know. what's going to be insulting, what's going to be insensitive, what's over the line. Like just now, just saying drag, I had no idea that that is different from you saying I'm just wearing a dress. Most people don't. I've just looked at it and I thought I, I, I need to put a little bit of clear blue water in here because drag tends to be gay men doing... It comes with some baggage. And it goes, a sh there's a show there. Yeah. It's great that gay men are doing that and they, they have fun doing that yeah. um, but it, it tends to be a show it tends to be a nighttime thing um, I was talking to a, a, a gay man who did drag and I said Do you, does anyone fancy you because gay men don't fancy other gay men who are doing drag and he said no and he told me this amazing story of him going to do drag somewhere another gay man going to do drag at the same place they did not fancy each other they changed out of the track, <laughs> then they decided they fancied each other and shagged each other. And <laughs> so, so that's a th that is not my thing, and it's not that I want to separate because I want to separate from the thing. It's just that it isn't quite what straight transvestite is. Right. Unfortunately, right. Uh, my area is is a little tricky. I mean, most people. Um, Drag is quite a look. It's quite a fashion, uh, you know, a, a glamour look. And, and straight transvestite with the best one in the world, we're often struggling to get to glamorous. Um, <laughs> we often, uh, we, we have this all-boy male thing going on. It's, it's wanting to be in the army, having been in the army, been in the police force. These are the people you hear, they came back from the army, and this guy was a Marine all his life, and he changes his sex. And everyone goes, Ooh. And that is straight transvestite, married with kids. And they, it wasn't a fake marriage. They are married. They did fancy their wives. And it was with kids, but they want to be lesbians. We all want to be lesbians, so it's um, right. That's right. and apparently I'm an honorary lesbian, according to uh, Gina Gershon from last night. Well, there's there's somebody who should know. Um, uh, did you ever get hit on while you were uh, wearing a dress? Yeah, from women. If, if men do, one bloke, did, one bloke said, "Can I feel your your breasts?" And I, and I said, "No, it's not for you." And I just <laughs> he, and he was drunk, and so he kept going, and I was I would have hit him. <laughs> it's just blokes can fuck off. It's uh, but it, but women are allowed to. Uh, it's yeah. It's um. It's it, well. I thought women we see would be blocked in this area. I thought women say you're a bloke wearing a dress and that's it. And so I don't want to talk to you. But in fact, not all women, but a whole number of women uh, do find it fascinating and sexy. And uh, it's like a halfway house if you're. <laughs> interested in, in having a lesbian relationship it is a good halfway house it's, it's a, a gateway drug it's to a, lesbianism it's a start way starter for 10 you know um as we say it's in, so interesting though that, that when you get into these kinds of conversations and you having had experiences with it uh, uh it's so interesting how really sexuality is so fluid the idea of you know binary aspects of it is so contrived because well, it really is remarkable is what attracts people we should talk what. about god if god you know, because you could argue if there is a God, then uh, you could not say to any gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual person, you can't, God has made us, so if there is one, and he better just fucking be happy about that, because we're not going to back off from this, because he gave us all this. Now, I don't think he exists, because if he does, he's an idiot. And his, why tsunamis? Why do we have poo and pee? Poo and pee, there you go. We're talking about poo and pee. Poo and pee, they were very big in the 70s. It was uh, no, shells in your nail, poo and pee. No, but think about this idea. If you were God, if any of us were God for half an hour, just remove poo and pee. Why do we have waste products? Why do we eat stuff and have, drink stuff waste products? Why not not have waste products? If you're God and you can des decide anything you want, and then all the poo and pee diseases would disappear. 
And you'd say, oh, you need poo because of the crops. And say, no, you have the crops grow because of the sunlight. Just sunlight. And really, if there was no poo, then homosexuality would be just, like, rampant. Is that so? I'm not sure. I would I imagine. I, I, poo, that, poo puts people off. Oh, right. <laughs> well, if they're gay or if they're not gay? <laughs> From that whole, whole area. The fanny area. <laughs> right. The fanny bum area. I haven't uh, really studied here, that. But. Here's, um, uh, um, I'm uh, engaging in a little bit of this uh, um, theological irony myself. I'm actually on my way to preside as yes. a, an officially ordained minister in the Universal Life Church, which points up exactly what a load of crock religion actually is. Uh, I will be presiding over a lesbian wedding. Right. And I, uh, I somehow want to celebrate that. I want to get that out there. Yeah, no, that's cool. But because, I wouldn't agree because, that... Because, uh, um, you know, religion is uh, the bane of uh, the existence of so many... Well, I think, I think the way it's manipulated by the extreme people in religious. But I wouldn't say... Oh, all, sure. I, I wouldn't well, write the institutions. The institutions. Because none of the people who stood up against Hitler were strong-minded religious people. Uh, the Pope uh, went with Hitler, and so he's Pope shit for brains. And... and <laughs> the ninth and apparently they're trying to canonize him and <laughs> I said if that the brains means, the ninth yeah well and they're, apparently they're trying to canonize him now and if that means uh, I was saying in stand up if that means shooting him out of a cannon I'm fine <laughs> but otherwise don't celebrate and promote well, well, a guy well you know the, the hat is uh, aerodynamic yeah, I know really. they could go a long way yeah. it's uh it's an idea it's but the the uh, yeah I just think there's no I can't see any pattern, any idea, any plan. I can see randomness, and also in the, Bi the Bible first line, as I've mentioned in my stand-up, should be, it's round. And uh, you would mention to the people who are on the planet that you made, that you made a round one. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Wouldn't there be a clue in the thing? I, I would say that would at least be... You know the be flat thing? Don't think flat. You'd either put a clue in the first thing. Before, in the beginning was the word. You say, in the beginning there was a round, there was a flat thing, and I made it round. Or, you know, in the beginning was a football. <laughs> I would think uh, if you were really an altruistic god, he would have let you know. Yeah. yeah. And he'd say there's a clue. If you see the boats coming over the horizon, you can see their masts first before you can see the rest of them. That's a clue. <laughs> it's round. It doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense to us. I mean, even though I know it's round, I actually go, is it really round? You know, but it's really counterintuitive because the thing's spinning and we're just hitting, having a coffee, having a chat, but we're spinning at, a, I think, it's 1,700 miles an hour, something like that. You know, I think crazy. all of life is actually uh, counterintuitive. Well, a lot of it is. Yeah. Some some of it isn't. Like if you, if you, uh, if you bounce a ball, you'll come back up. So that's less counterintuitive. Or if you drink water, you get wet stuff in your mouth. That's quite intuitive. But there's weird things that. But the spinning one is a weird one. The, the spinning, spinning one's one, a weird one. The spinning globe. Yeah. So is that whole E equals M C squared thing. That's a little, a little weird too. Well, I find that I find that weird because it's so so neat. The fact it's that it just isn't it? E, Energy does equals mass times the speed light squared, not plus an extra point three and an F in there yeah, and, not, and a few other. No parentheses anywhere. Yeah, because normally yeah. it has brackets with a thing and a sigma. And a, yeah. I was doing mass till I was 19 and I had lots of squiggles that I was writing down. But no, not in equals MC squared. Anyway. Well, I, I don't, I, we've actually covered, I think, life as we know it at this point. Yeah. So we should wrap this up. Okay. Eddie yeah. Izzard, folks. Oh. oh, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Are you okay if you got... Uh, is uh, this uh, this hand shot okay right up? Let's go with this young lady. Paul's okay for time. Paul's got to go. Paul, you got to go. I got to go. I'll take some questions. You're gonna take some yeah. questions. Okay. Thank you guys for letting me uh, be a part of this. Thank you. Talk soon. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Eddie Izzard. Paul has got to get, get a flight, so I will take some questions. 
Uh, yes, right here. far away. Um, speaking of OSS on Descent, have you seen the sequel? No, I heard there was one. What's it called? It's uh, OSS on Descent Lost in Rio. OSS it's amazing. Lost in, Lost we just Rio. saw it. Like, and is it good? Is it's it? amazing, yeah. Cool. It's really, really good. When so. did this come out this year? Or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I really do encourage people because it's interesting because you'll have a view. And in Britain, we're 26 miles away from France, and we don't know about that. This is why I'm so passionate about Europe, because if someone doesn't get the idea of the overall view of how people are, in Britain we think that the French, people say the French, to me, and this is all comedians will probably say this, the French have a visual sense of humor. That's it. That's how much everyone knows about humor, because it's a whole language thing and they have a block. But if you see it with the subtitles, because it's got a story, you can realize it's offhand, it's, it's, it's laconic, it's ironic, you know, and it's, and it's smart and sexy, and you think, well, that's what we do. And not all our films. Yeah, it's, well, it's different, to, yes. It's um, it is. It's probably more slick than Austin Powers. Austin Powers can get get uh, can get into fat bastard jokes, and this one is all. There's a bit in in, in OSS, <laughs> Sodi set the first film where uh, two women start having a fight, and they and he's and he's got the gun, and he's he's trying to stop them fighting, but then their clothes stop coming off in the fight, so he just lets the fight go on, and that's kind of he just does it very well. It's, um, a lot of blokes would do that. Okay. So next, just, next question over here. Over oh. here to your left. Right here. Yeah. Oh, right here. Um, well, I saw the documentary last night, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. But there was right. this great moment with this uh, woman who came to tell you about how she left the hospital room reciting yes, the beekeeper sketch. Yeah. How do you feel when people tell you like stuff like this? Like, you know, oh, because of you, you've repaired my relationship with my dad or stuff like that. Well, if you look at my reaction to that, I'm, I was, I'd just finished the gig, and I, I was told there were... There were two people dressed as bees downstairs and uh, who wanted to talk to me. And, um, and I wasn't quite in that headspace. So um, I, I think it's amazing that that happened. If, if it could help her in any way, that's brilliant. I just wasn't quite ready for it. So I suddenly have to change from just been talking to 11,000 people and, and, and this woman. And she's dressed as a bee as well. So I'm going to, oh, she's dressed as a bee. Uh, Oh, she had fucking an operation on a uh, brain surgery. She, I think she was saying, and she came out doing "I'm covered in bees," and and uh, I couldn't even join up the dots, really. I so I I was I, I was very pleased. I am very pleased, and I hope I, I all I could do was hug her because I I I just you know I am I'm, I'm also weird about people who are getting near death and death. My mum died, and so I, I've never quite known how to deal with it. It's just such a, uh, a horror to me. Um, that I'm, I, I become a little bit useless because um, I just don't know how to f channel it for myself. But it, it's great. If anyone can get anything out of that, because I get a lot out of it, and I, the way I keep it really fresh is by just trying to make myself laugh. So if other people get that and they can use that, and I believe you know, the endorphins keep people... Um, you know, it's better to be in that frame of mind than, than, than when the synapses are going negative and people get depression. So if it's the opposite to depression, that's brilliant. So... I'm pleased. I'm very pleased. Great. We have a, another question over here in the second row to your right. Hi. Uh, first Hi. of all, you're fabulous and wonderful and hilarious and all that stuff. And Thanks, so Steve. For don't go changing. <laughs> um, and uh, I had a question. Is that my, my wife is actually a, a history buff, and she loves all of your... You know your your history related content and all that sort of stuff, which is absolutely hysterical. What about all the you know history and all those things really is so attractive to you as a comedian um, that makes it so there's so much there? Well, I had an epiphany moment um, uh, in London, and I thought, no one's doing history. 
God, I could do history. And then I'd really start, you're desperately trying to strand out. I hadn't come out as being a transvestite at that point. And, uh, sorry? I taught you history. Well, all right. Well, you see, that there should be a way of talking about history. I mean, I, I, I remember watching an English professor on something like a C-SPAN, like a history C-SPAN in America, and he was talking about the, the Revolutionary War, which I'm very interested in, the American Revolutionary War, and he was boring me to tears. He just, you know, because you can, you can really get there. If you, if you get too much into nitty-gritty, that's why I often do the ages, in 17 verses, then this guy comes in, and I, and I just do that again and again and again, because it doesn't... People can get loaded down with stuff. So, um, um, so the history thing, in, in response to your question, I realized that no one was doing it. I thought if I went in there, it would set me apart, because you're desperately trying to set yourself apart from everyone else. Um, and so that was fun. And just to get loose and groovy about it and say, so Henry VIII, you know, I was saying about his wife, he got one one, he killed one one, and he shot another one, and he put another one and shot her out of a cannon, and, and then lost one in a, in a jumble sale, and... and you know, and, and everyone knew that wasn't true, but it does end up having six wives, and, and some of them died, and some of them lost. Some of them went to Nebraska. Um, um, and so the people get the point without the, the truth of actually it was... There's a mnemonic for remembering it. One was divorced, you know, all that kind of stuff, which just, uh that just gets you down. Uh, but the fact that he, w he brought in the Protestant faith, but he wasn't really interested in it. And, and what I find about... I've really got more into the history thing is because, like, Churchill read a lot of history. A number of people do, because I, I do think the patterns of repeating... Human beings, we do repeat things over and over again, and we do that, obviously, throughout history. And if you look at the repeats, if you can see the repeats and train yourself to see them, the good things and the bad repeats, then you should be able to extrapolate them into the future. And I came up with this theory, this, this uh, equation, which is stupid but sort of makes sense, of history plus the change in society multiplied by the change in technology equals the future. And uh, it's sort of nonsense. You, you can't quantify it, but it's sort of true because society changes at a certain pace, technology changes at a very fast pace, and that's why it's got to multiply. And then you can sort of to see how things are going. I'm very positive on Europe, and in the end, Europe has got to work. We've got to work out some way of working together in the European Union, in those European countries. We used to kill each other, and now we're working together. That is bloody amazing. There's a massive amount of people, there's a, big, not, there's a big number of people in Europe, especially in the UK, who are very negative on Europe, and because the arguments for it are more complicated than the arguments against it. And I see that. So I see, you know, historically that's happened. Like abolition. How long abolition of slavery did it go on in America? It went on in Britain as well, where the, the, the people who wanted to keep it went on and on with arguments about keeping people enslaved. Insanity. There's this crimes against humanity was going on, but they couldn't touch it. In the constitutional argument in America, they couldn't touch it. I think it was 20 years they brought that, that thing in because they knew it was, such a, it was so linked to the economics. And the economics is the thing that keeps repeating. You know, it's the economy stupid, the thing that Bill Clinton worked out. It, it is the economy that... that and if, 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 if everyone in the world is doing well economically, then you will logically have peace and less, you know, terrorism hopefully could disappear if everyone had a fair deal. And we've got to get there. So... I look at history because I think from the transvestism as well, I had to jump ahead vision-wise and say, the shame that I feel from being a transvestite is wrong. I deny this shame. If I deny the shame, it's just that. Because I used to say shame and guilt, but the, I think the guilt's linked to the shame. So it's really just shame. So fuck the shame. And then you say, right, I'm wearing a dress because that's the girly bit. And that's what a number of women are like 
dresses and heels and stuff, so I have that exact same thing in my brain genetically. I don't know why, and I'm being truthful about it. And I've got to imagine a world where I, where I could, I could um, be allowed to do that. So I said, okay, I'm going to carry on doing what I'm doing, try and do it as good as possible, say I am a transvestite, say if you've got a problem with it, it's your problem. I tried to work out all these things, and then that kind of imagining forward thing you can do on other things about politics about society you know and 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 so that's why i find history really fascinating it's almost it's the key to the future if you look at the repeats there's a question right here yes i guess uh, this question just pertains to your stand-up comedy and how you write um how many hours a week uh do you spend writing specifically for stand-up comedy when you're focusing on it and can you tell me the sort of gestation period between uh you getting an idea Say when you're driving in a car or on the subway, and then on the stage. Yeah, um, I write zero seconds a week. I write comedy. I don't write any of it. Um, I try it out on stage, and most of the ideas come to me on stage. Uh, I don't think this is actually amazing. I think that anyone could do that if you go through this endless amount of failing and, and getting out the other end. But I don't. I find it really difficult to write. My my mouth goes fast, often too fast. I don't even finish words quite a lot of the time, but I found I couldn't write it down. So I tend to go... I used to write... I, I would get occasional ideas and, and write them down in, like in an iPhone, and then I'd start tours and not bother looking at it. This list of things... Or I couldn't quite remember, remember where my head was when I wrote it down. So most things tend to come on stage, and I tend to do old material, and while I'm doing it, I go, oh, yeah, well... Architecture, like looking here, you go, okay, so architecture, it's, it's a big thing, it does affect us, and I'll, I'll just start talking about architecture, and saying, so, and architects study for six years, like doctors, and then other people don't, and I, I'll just try and find stuff, I'll just dig around, and if I can't find anything, I'll think, well, uh, architecture's not a funny thing, and I'll, and I'll just say, so you're all architects, you hate architects, you all live in buildings that have fallen over, and I, I try and get jokes on the way out. I discovered this technique that I could get jokes on the way in, because I might find some funny material, or if not, I'll get jokes on the way out going, you hate architects, it's not a thing, you can't spell architect, uh, I'll just never talk, and I sort of do this writing on my hand thing. So that's the technique I worked out, but other people do write the entire stuff um, and it's like acting everyone has a different uh, a lot of people have very different processes and, and uh, a lot of them can work so I don't actually write at all but I like to do as, as many gigs as I can because that's where I'm writing so when I'm on stage I'm really working my backside off um, doing the stuff and going oh and what's this about and what's that about is that okay? great okay. I think we have time for about two more questions and we have okay. one here in the front row one thing that I was glad to learn from watching Believe was that something that kind of led to a big break for you was the bit about wolves, because I love that your comedy contains a lot of anthropomorphic animals. Right. And um, I heard just a little bit about a TV program that was called Cows, and right. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about that. Well, Cows is when, when eventually my thing started taking off, because I was playing large numbers of theaters and getting people in, and I hadn't got a TV career at all. Um, everyone found that rather beguiling in, in television. So they, um, they started saying, oh, come in and do... They, they basically sat me down and said, what do you want to do? Anything you want to do. And I had this idea, which I pitched, which was um, about, uh, you know, something happens, some, some, there's a star, you know, a, a satellite goes by or something. Uh, Day of the Triffids, this, this film, which I've just uh, remade in, uh, in Britain, um, which is a great 
story day of the Triffids, and it's all about uh, a comet goes by, and then everyone changes. They all go blind, actually, because of the comet. And I used that idea, and I said, so something like a comet happens, and then cows just start talking. What happens if that... And then, and then they're, they're a minority, because they're talking, they can articulate, they can say, actually, we, we want rights, we don't want to be stuck in these fields. And so they start walking on hind legs, or they force themselves to walk on hind legs, and then they just became another minority. And it was, it was set at a time when they, they'd start to m moving in and asking about cow rights and, and stuff like this. So, uh, but I didn't know how to make this. I wasn't sure how to write it. So I became, I wasn't a producer. I became a, 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 writer, a co-writer. There was a lead writer and I was a second banana on it. And, um, and so I was sort of not kind of involved. I had this idea, then other people took it away. And, and uh, in the end, the, the prosthetic we made prosthetics like uh, my idea was planet of the apes so that people humans to apes is, is quite a good fit for prosthetics but humans to cows was the faces were too long and it was it was really tricky we couldn't couldn't articulate much they had to do really big acting to get anything to move so um so in the end it wasn't kind of working and i wasn't driving it i was like sitting at the back of the van on it so because I, I didn't really want to do that i didn't want to be i definitely didn't want to be in it and so I was like co-writer on a, on a sitcom. So it was, I'm, you know, I, in the end it didn't happen. We did a pilot, it didn't really, uh, uh, the ratings weren't very high on it. And, and that was it. Last question over here, behind the camera, uh, photographer. All right, yes. Hello again. Hello. Hello. Um, I saw Believe last night, it was great. And uh, you, you talk a little bit about being born in Yemen. Yeah. And I was wondering, have you been able to, I mean, obviously, the climate there a little difficult but have, have you returned to, to have you been able to return to Yemen yes went back last year with my dad and my and my brother um, for the first time since I was a kid it, I mean it, it became a communist country it was the only communist Arabic country um, that was South Yemen there's a north and a there was a north and a south and then communism collapsed in the mid uh, in the late 80s uh, and then in the mid-90s, there was a kind of war between the North and the South, and the North won that, and so it's now sort of run from Sana'a, and Aden was my city, and I was born in Little Aden, or Al-Gadir is the, is the Arabic name, so I was born there, and, I, and we went back there, and it's, they, they, ha they haven't got much money at all. Uh, there's a lot of half-built buildings in Aden, which is really kind of sad. You can see people starting and it's just not working out. A lot of people eat, uh, chew cats, the, the, uh, the leaf, the kind of, it's kind of, you know, and everyone's kind of stoned a lot of times. So a lot of poor people, I think, I think they encourage them to be on cats so they're not complaining about the situation. But it's, it's obviously very hot, so people aren't freezing to death because it's, it's, you know, Arabic country. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was great to see it. Um, I couldn't really talk to people much. My brother was better at Arabic than I was, but I, I did find smiling at people was, the, was the, the only thing I could do, but at least you could interact that way. And people showed us around, and we went back to where our house was and, and uh, where we were growing up and, and the, the hospital where I was born, and my brother was born, and so we, we saw it all. And it's on, it's on um, if you put in Al Gadir, G-H-A-D-I-R, and uh, Google Earth, you can actually see it. There's, ma there's a very detailed map of it. You know, because some areas on Google Earth, you can't see much detail. This is really detailed, as if, if Google Earth has linked anything to the U.S. military. I think the U.S. military has done really big photographs, because oh, it's a refinery. It's an oil refinery. So it's very detailed on Google Earth. So I took my dad. If you've done Google Earth, you can actually drive around... You know, you can move around and you can, you can sort of float over the road. It's quite weird. So I sat with my dad in Sheffield 
when I was given that sort of honorary doctorate, and I said, look, Dad, this is, this is where we were born, isn't it? And he's going, oh, yeah. He says, oh, drive down that road. So I'm, I'm, I'm floating down the road. <laughs> I take a left turn. And he says, yeah, the hospital's down here. So we float around and say, yeah, there's the hospital. And it's kind of weird on Google Earth because all buildings are sort of squashed flat and slightly tipped over. But I could see everything. And then we went back there. And, um, and uh, it was good. I'd like to go back more. I'd like to try and do something. I'd like to do gigs in Arabic. Um, but that's all for the future because I've got all these other stuff in Europe to do first. But it'd be, uh, and hopefully, I believe that, uh, I believe that a, a, a certain percentage of the money that I've raised from sport relief from doing the marathons is going to go to Yemen. So that would be good because the, there's a lot of cleft palate work on the Smile campaigns. There's a number of different charities called Smile, which are about cleft palate work. The, the operation isn't that difficult i believe or, or, or expensive but it can obviously change a, a young kid's life so um that's uh, somewhere where hopefully we can put the money in okay ladies and gentlemen uh, the film is believe it is in theaters now uh you can catch eddie on his upcoming tours i should say yeah believes in the village east cinema cinema uh j just so it's only in the one cinema so it's running to the end it's only it's a limited release so it's running till next thursday but it is playing there right at the moment definitely go check it out we want to thank eddie Izzard, and uh you've been a great audience visit our website for more upcoming events apple.com soho uh thank you guys have a great rest of your weekend